Do you know what really sucks? Is sitting down to edit your project and realizing that you have gaps in your coverage or shots missing? You need to have a really good, specific, and detailed shot list. Head over to filmmakersecrets.com slash shot list, S-H-O-T-L-I-S-T, to get a killer shot list template along with some training where I show you step-by-step exactly how to use it. And so after like 10 months, I think almost a year of being broke and like sacrificing all this time and stuff, he went to go get the funding and then just decided not to come back. Filmmakers have the power to evoke emotion, inspire thought, and drive universal change in this world. So how does a filmmaker thrive in an environment that is almost intentionally designed to bring you down? That is the question, and this podcast reveals the answer. What's happening, filmmakers? It's George VK. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I am so elated to introduce my guest, Whit Ingram, who is the author of the workbook, Get Your Story Straight. And I love the little uh, subtitle here, a starter pack for writing your stupid story so you don't seem so stupid anymore or something like that. <laughs> so, Whit, go ahead and say what's up to our filmmakers and reveal the one filmmaker secret that you've been keeping from us oh that was an awesome intro uh first of all thank you for having me on here uh this is literally my second podcast ever uh so the one i guess like a filmmaker secret that i've been really adamant about when i meet or talk to new filmmakers or people who are just starting out or even people who are in the industry but don't necessarily understand narrative film or editing or like you know there's different aspects to filmmaking like some people stay in audio their whole lives and they've never touched a camera um but i've just been working a lot with people who do a lot of product videos and stuff like that and I always find it curious um, why people don't put more work into their shot lists. Um, for me, when I get on set, I'm kind of all over the place, especially when you're the director. You're getting pulled in a million different directions. Everyone has a question. There's always a fire to put out. Something always goes wrong. So when you're on set, you really do want to be prepared, as prepared as possible. And if I don't have that shot list, I'm, I'm so like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like what I prepared all this stuff. Like, I don't remember what the shot was like, let me go and look. And so I think having a detailed shot list and just preparing in general is the most important thing, especially before a production. But I think having a shot list when you're the director is going to save you so much time when you're on set. Cause you don't want to time is money on set. Like you really have to, work fast. You really have to know your stuff in order to get scheduling on time. Like there's sometimes hundreds of people depending on you to get this stuff done. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's a secret or not, but like, I, I always get so like mad when I'm on, um, a set or anywhere and they like don't have the details figured out with the director. That's your job is to partially like do the schedule and figure out the shots and come up with every single thing you shouldn't be figuring out the day of. And I get there and they're just trying to figure out shots and everything. I'm like, this, this should already be done. I think with how many sets so much time. <laughs> that I've been on, it's, it's amazing how many times people don't actually have a shot list. And so I think 
yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, that is a secret to some people <laughs> yeah. that are not aware. <laughs> the one thing that I always preach is if you're going to have just one thing from your pre-production done, let it be the shot list. Get that out yeah. because that's going to be what you reference and you look at and you check things off the whole time. And it's going to, mm -hmm. it's going to save your butt in, in production. That's awesome. Thank you for that little gold nugget. Let's, uh, let's think about our lives as a movie. I like to think about my life as a movie. So I think a lot of filmmakers are familiar with plot point one, or sometimes it's called the inciting incident, which is this big grand decision that a character has to make uh, in the course of their arc. And it's, it's, it's a moment that really kind of changes that character's course uh, that they go on their, their path. So what was that moment in, in your past that sort of set you off on this course of filmmaking and made you feel like this is my calling. These are the, this is the audience that I'm called to serve. Can you bring yourself mm -hmm. back to that moment and tell me a story? Yeah. So it's actually pretty easy. Um, in high school, I had a lot of different things that I wanted to do. I was very creative. I think I took a test that said my brain was like 95%. What is the, the right brain or something crazy? Like I have no left brain. <laughs> it's like literally all creative. And so I loved music. I really wanted to go into music. I'm a terrible singer. So it was already an uphill battle. <laughs> um, and then I took a TV and video production class in high school. And our first assignment was music videos. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe like this is something where I can incorporate music, but uh, I can also be super creative. And as soon as I did that project, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I, it just, everything clicked. I was like, I can be creative. I can, you know, have music. I can have entertainment. Like it's fun. Like I love the change of pace. It's difficult. It's challenging. Like there's a lot of different things you can do with it. And technology is always changing. And um, I like, I love storytelling too. And so I could tell stories. And then as I started doing more and more projects, I was like, okay, maybe I, maybe I just want to be a, a music video director. And then after I started writing more and more and more, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a filmmaker. And that was when I was 15. So I feel like I got kind of lucky, I guess, in a sense that I really knew what I wanted to do by the time I graduated. And uh, I went to school for film. It took me six years to graduate, but I did it. Uh, I hate school, <laughs> but I like I love film so much. And luckily, I had that, or else I probably wouldn't have graduated because I. The only reason I went was because I love film so much. And I think I don't know like exactly what it was, but I think like having all those elements combined really solidified for me what I'm meant to do with my life as hard as it, it feels hard to say stuff like that. Like when you're so passionate about something and you're around people that don't necessarily get it. And like, it just kind of seems silly, but like, I'm trying to say it more and more. Cause it is true. Like I am very passionate about film. Like, I don't know what I'd be doing with my life if I didn't have it. And so I just started saying it more and more. And now here we are talking about film, how much I love it 10 years later. There you have it, filmmakers. You're not the only one. Other filmmakers out there feel the same passion. And I, I'm curious, what in your own you know, simplest terms, what is it about filmmakers that makes them so passionate about filmmaking? 
That's like a really good question. I think um, we're all a little masochistic. Like we all love really hard. I mean, filmmaking is so hard and I just, I know people don't necessarily understand it. And I've been so broke and I've been like so defeated and had so much crap happen and I can't stop. I was just like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to do it again. I'm going to have to try again. I'm going to have to start over. And I, I guess like just, it's a form of expression for me. Like I love inspire trying to inspire people or trying to tell a story or show a different perspective and to me that's one of the most artistic thing artistic things you can do is my cat's calling me um so cute <laughs> is um yeah it's okay um but like i think one of the most inspiring things that you can do today is become a storyteller and expressing things that other opinions and inspiring people to like look at things differently or just highlighting the beautiful things about life and being a human being and connecting with people. And I think that's a big thing for me because I was kind of like an outcast growing up. And I think like I had like this drive to tell stories, but also like connect with people through those stories. And I think as, as filmmakers, a lot of us just really want to express our love for storytelling or whatever it is that they fell in love with, with filmmaking. That's beautiful, beautifully put. And I think just as even human beings, it's such a universal skill to tell stories. That's how, you know, stories get passed on from generation to generation. And now we have this visual medium of film that we're able to uh, magnify and amplify this art form to the masses. And, you know, that's the ultimate goal. But even mm -hmm. if you hit, you know, the 10 people that watch your little YouTube video, it impacted somebody. So mm -hmm. don't lose hope. I think that's the, that's the moral uh, of the story mm -hmm. here. Um, that's great. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned, you touched on something that's quite um, a vulnerable spot. You, you said, you, you know, you were broke. There were a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happened along the way. What, what would you say was your biggest roadblock in, uh, in kind of on your path of building up to that moment where you can really clarify and uh, declare that, yes, I'm a filmmaker. What was a roadblock that you can tell our filmmakers about? Um, I guess so. <laughs> I actually have like a pretty big roadblock. Um, a lot of people wouldn't blame me for quitting filmmaking because of it. But about two and a half years ago, um, I was dating someone who was helping me produce my first feature. Um, I had a friend reach out who was in the Vietnam War who wrote a book and he wanted to turn it into some type of movie. And so I adapted it for him for a year and a half. It took, um, it was a, very difficult journey because it was a true story of Vietnam war piece. Never done it before. Um, was also dealing, the author also has extreme PTSD. So I had to deal with that. And it was just a lot. And it was a beautiful story. And I was so excited to have that as my first feature. Um, and so after like 10 months, I think almost a year of being broke and like sacrificing all this time and stuff, he went to go get the funding and then just decided not to come back. Um, that was like four and a half years into the relationship. Uh, I had to go tell everyone that the project wasn't happening anymore. Like a week later at the convention that I met everyone at, um, 
I had, <laughs> I was so, I had no money. Like I actually had negative money in my account. I had no job because I'd been working on this script forever and I had no car. <laughs> so I went home at uh, let's see, 29 years old, just completely like, well, I guess that was it, like 10 years of my life just down the drain. And it took me probably about three months later, someone from school reached out to me and said, Hey, I have a, a camera operating job. You know, like, I don't know if you're interested. I know you're doing freelance. And I, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Like whatever, like as if, as long as it's filmmaking, that's fine. Like, and I can get some money and that like catapulted me into just like being in film constantly and at least being uh, behind the camera constantly. And they just like after a while, I was just like, yeah, I still have to do this. I still have to be a filmmaker. Like I, I could be miserable having something like that happen, have everything blow up again. But I'd be miserable doing a normal job nine to five, like not working in film. And so I like weighed the pros and cons. I was like, I'm just going to be miserable being a filmmaker. <laughs> That sounds good. I want to be a really sad artist. Like how cliche is that? But um, it, yeah, I think that was like a big moment for me. And then it kind of, in a way, like scared, didn't, it's, it made it so I'm not really scared to fail anymore. Cause I feel like that was one of the biggest heartbreaks, but also like the thing I was so terrified of was being a failure. And like going through all that school and all that time and like being so broke and having everyone just, you know, not understand. And then like having to go home and be like, yeah, I like, I lost. So now I'm in like, I'm in a really good place right now. And I'm so glad I didn't give up. And I think that's why I love like connecting with other filmmakers too, because a lot, I know a lot of people who've struggled so much and they still go and they still want to make stuff and it's so hard and like we all just kind of struggle together and we're all like just you know being sad together <laughs> especially this last year you know like i had so much stuff and like it all like fell apart and so like well it's gonna fall apart again probably in a couple of months everything's gonna be fine because like even when things do fall apart other things fall into place and now I'm doing like 10 times better than I ever thought I would in just two years. You got a job that you actually enjoy, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> can you tell, I, can you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, I actually have a full-time job, but it is a video directing job with a great company who does home furnishing type stuff. And they also have a nonprofit we actually just um, interviewed Elizabeth Smart today. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, she's part of our foundation. And uh, yeah, so like I just get to constantly direct. I'm one of our new video directors, um, constantly making stuff like nonprofit type stuff. And um, it's just turning me into a better filmmaker. And I get a be on set like every single day. It's awesome. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with, um, I think it's hard to be vulnerable, especially with a person that you just met. So I really appreciate you completely laying it down on the table, which brings me to our next point about getting your story straight. Tell me what propelled you to write this workbook. 
Um, that's a good question. I was thinking about <laughs> it too. I was like, this is a weird thing for me to do because I don't really feel like I'm an author. I am a writer, but not necessarily like this type of stuff. Um, I think partially, I just, I, I do a lot of script consulting on the side sometimes. And I would get kind of the same roadblocks with beginner writers. Like they didn't know these basics. They didn't know, you know, like the structure. They didn't know their main characters. Just like little things like that would always kind of like, it would make it so hard for me to work with them because they didn't necessarily know the basics of screenwriting. And so I just thought, well, maybe I could like make a pamphlet or a new, I don't know, something that I could send them before I actually talk to them on the phone or in person for a consultation. And then it just sort of snowballed from there. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, I'll make it funny and like, you know, like entertain people. Oh, well, what else can I do? Oh, maybe I'll make like a worksheet that will force them to write stuff down. So it's kind of like homework, I guess, in a way. Um, it kind of just spiraled from there and then COVID hit <laughs> and that really like helped me finish it. Cause I was in the house so much. This was last February, I think like March. So about a year ago is when I wrote it. And, um, yeah, it just, I was so nervous, like sending it out. I had everyone like read it and repeat. I had my mom read it out loud to me because <laughs> I was like, please tell me how this sounds. I don't know how good it is. Like, does this make sense? And then I just kind of said, well, it'd, it'd be great to like give to people. I really believe in it. And I actually had fun writing it. I was like, I actually really like talking about this, which is why it ended up being longer than I thought it'd be. Um, and yeah, I guess the rest is history. It was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm putting this weird thing out. I hope people like it. I don't know. Well, it definitely <laughs> shows that you had fun with it because you know, just reading through the half of it that I got through, it's mm -hmm. clear that the voice is just very whimsical and uh, lighthearted <laughs> and it's easy to read. It's easy to understand. And it's, it's all concepts and aspects of storytelling that should be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for clear and, and, uh, obvious, but mm -hmm. they're also the things that are hard to really wrap your head around. And unless somebody sits you down and says, okay, step one, step two, step three, this is how you do it. Um, and I think yeah. it's laid out beautifully. I love the illustrations. Did you do the illustrations? No, I'm a terrible drawer. Um, <laughs> I actually found those on defont.com. Um, I went, I went on there to find a font and then I just kind of saw those, like, I can't remember how I, I, maybe I looked them up and I was like, Oh, that'd be kind of cool to have like some illustrations. And then I found that and I was like, okay, that's perfect. It was just Talk something to funny to do. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. And it, it's sort of almost <laughs> like prose at times, you know, there's, it's almost like poetry. Um, tell me about the, the very last quote at the end here. Uh, now go out there and be somebody by Dave, Dave Chappelle. Why did, why does that speak to you? Um, I don't, that just randomly came to my head when I was at the end of the book and, I, and like, it made me laugh so hard. I love Dave Chappelle. It's in one of his standups. Um, he's not, he's not talking about storytelling obviously, but I, it just came to my head and I just thought I'd put in like a funny, encouraging line. Like now go, go do it. Go write it. It'll be fun. What's a storytelling secret that you can share with us, Wit? I'm going to put you on the um, spot here. 
Yeah. So I would say know your main character. Um, more importantly, how does your character change? There are so many times where I talk to screenwriters or storytellers and they're just talking about an event, but they're not talking about the person. And really, storytelling is about a person, like even the biggest stories with a huge entourage. There's one person that's the main character that you're following along with. And so if your character doesn't have some sort of change at the end of the film, we didn't grow with them. We didn't learn anything. There was no point to this story. Like, why, why did I even watch that? This person was just themselves the whole time. And I don't know if there's like an answer to why we have to change, but it just doesn't really feel like a full story unless your main character changes somehow from the end of the begin from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. And I think that's like if you're gonna focus on main character, that's like one of the biggest things to focus on. I just had a, a little epiphany. I think you hear a lot of people saying whenever they see a movie that wasn't up to their standards, they'll say there was no story. But perhaps mm -hmm. what they're talking about is exactly what you just mentioned, that there really wasn't a change, a shift, a transformation that happened with the lead character or a character that was supporting them, perhaps. So that's right. a, a really interesting perspective uh, about focusing on the, and I actually, I think you talk about this at the very beginning, you know, if the story isn't working out, it might have to do with your character. And I think that's right. such a, that's such a brilliant little golden nugget. So thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. Wit, tell me where people can go and find out about this book because it's only $10. And I think that is absolutely ridiculous. I think everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast needs to go and purchase it right now. Yeah. Where can they go? Uh, so it's on my website, um, witingramfilm.com. Um, and it's, I, I also have my website on my Instagram normally, um, witty film girl. Uh, but yeah, it's on my website. I'm in the process of getting it onto my Instagram. Um, I'm actually, I should be doing that like tonight. <laughs> so if you do go to my Instagram, it should be there, uh, by this time at witty film girl. So I'll make it really easy. You guys just click on a button and can download it. It's a digital download. Perfect. Beautiful. Okay. I have one last final question for you. Wit. Mm -hmm. What is your desert Island movie? So if you could only watch one movie oh. for the rest of your life, what is it? Um, uh, man, that's such a hard question. Not fair for because that's different from years. your favorite <laughs> film. It's, it's perhaps not a film that you can watch all the time if it's your favorite, right? True. Yeah. I'll that's tell you exactly mine if, if, if it helps. Okay. Mine is The Fifth Element, but my favorite movie is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But I couldn't yes. watch that for the rest of my life because it's just too real. But the yeah. fifth element is, is fantastic and sci-fi. I love it. Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Kill Bill Volume 2. Nice. I, I like that you're I specific. Love, yes. It's Volume 2 because that's more the story. Less action, more story. Um, and it's kind of got a bunch of stuff, humor, action, all over the place. I love Uma Thurman and she's great. So yeah, I choose that one. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. One more time. Where can people go to find out more about you, Wit? Um, my Instagram is probably the best witty film girl. Um, just spelled like the word witty. And then my 
website, wittingramfilm.com. Um, I also have a YouTube with Whitney Film Girl that has a couple videos on it. Beautiful. So there you have it, filmmakers, Wit Ingram. Uh, I'll have all of the links that you need down in the show notes. So please go check out, get your story straight, follow Wit on her journey through becoming an amazing female filmmaker, director, entrepreneur, author. I'm uh, looking forward to getting you on the show again next time when your next project starts to really pick up steam. Thank you so much for being on Filmmaker Secrets. Yeah, thank you for having me. If you like that, then you are going to love my Cine Racing Challenge. This is a seven-day filmmaking competition where your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to write, shoot, and edit a short 60-second film in just seven days for your one chance to win with over $10,000 in prizes. So head over to CineRacing.com. That's C-I-N-E-R-A-C-I-N-G.com to get registered spots are filling up fast and the timer is ticking before the next Sydney Racing Challenge launches so be sure to head over to sydneyracing.com right now to get registered I'll see you over there